Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad. The Dress, 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season... We're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, what's new? My year. Shit. Yeah. New, new, new year, same shit. I'm Robert Evans. This is behind the no, 2022. It's not. No, no, it's, it's not. not. We no. retired this in 2021. What, what we, we retired where, this bit. Who where is this? this time is for not. a new bit. This is it could well, happen here. Time for more the, coffee. It's a the, fucking... the podcast about how things sometimes feel like they're falling apart sometimes. And maybe we can do things about that. You know what's falling apart is me. Because I, during my break, woke up at like 1.30 every day. And now it's some unspeakable hour in the morning. I hate this. You picked time. the time. You picked right. the time. No. So <clears throat> for 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 one of our first episodes of the new year, we have decided to subject ourselves to your parasocial whims. Um and we are gonna be doing maybe one, maybe two Q and A episodes, um uh giving A's to your Q's. And I've been A told... and you right in the queue. Mm-hmm. Okay. 
I've been told that uh, our producer Sophie has a list of questions already prepared so that I can stop talking and she can now. You've been told. You're the one who posted the thread. <laughs> Sophie said that she would read them. Uh, I did. I did volunteer as tribute, but I might. I might. <laughs> I might take that back and see how, how much energy. At some I point, have. yeah. I might yeah, take well... that back. Uh, let's 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 start with uh let's start with a uh a a good one. Uh, what has been your favorite episode slash topic to research in this past season? So since we started season two. Oh God. Um. I enjoyed the Metaverse Facebook episodes because there's a part of me that really likes shitting on bad tech industry stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. It, it, it fills a deep part of me, just just really comprehensively thinking about how how terrible the vision of the future these people have is. So that was probably my favorite. I liked the Climate Leviathan <laughs> stuff, um, the Climate Leviathan, Climate Behemoth climate now climate x kind of uh four quadrants i i I liked learning about that like oh geez almost a year ago actually by the time i started researching for the show um and i'm decently happy with the way that those topics were presented and how they keep popping back every once in a while i think in terms of just the favorite episode i recorded was probably the interview with the common humanity collective people just because like listening to a bunch of people who have a very sophisticated and well-developed mutual aid project and then listening to you know the, them talk about their political development and how they've been sort of solving their problems was really like reassuring and cheerful in a lot of ways and then research wise it was definitely the, the the spooky area 51 episode where i was like oh i'm gonna do a fun episode about uh the government and aliens and it was like oh no here's every war crime ever and like 16 people <laughs> almost killing everyone on earth I was like, this is this is good. this is a, this <laughs> yeah. is a good time. <laughs> probably probably the most fun I had was with the uh, chaos magic and esoteric cacism episode. Mm. Just because of uh, that was a hoot. How how, how silly it is. <laughs> um, yeah, that one that one also was uh, just just a pleasure to record. I also loved having Corey Doctorow on. Um, oh, totally. Because that was cool. That, that was that, cool. That was that was very cool. I, how um, how cool of us! I've enjoyed mm. our, our our fiction episodes with uh, Margaret and with Rebecca. Those those have been great, and I've loved having Saint Andrew. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, that has been also yeah. very cool. Fantastic! What were you going to say, Robert? Nothing. Oh, great! Uh, this person says, "I think I've got my head wrapped around mutual aid, community resilience, and all the stuff you talk about. Any tips on how to effectively communicate it to people who might not be at least initially open to it?" <clears throat> Um, I mean, it kind of depends on why they're not open to it, right? So sure. it's it's a matter of are they just somebody who has a lot of faith in in systems as they exist? Are they someone who's kind of coming at it from more of a traditional like liberal um, statist perspective, where they they think the option is to get in line with you know the Democratic Party and support that, and that will make things better? Um, like basically, are they a top downer? Um, or are they somebody who rejects it because it's like communism, um, and they they don't they don't think that people have uh, any kind of fundamental responsibility to themselves? Because um, you are going to have kind of a different approach to trying to reach either of those people um, if they're coming at it from kind of more of a right wing standpoint, but they're not you know uh, talking about 
shooting vaccine doctors. Um, they're just kind of conservative. I think the way to do it is to sort of harken back to some of these very traditional ideas of like um, American homesteaders and, and independent, you know, communities on the frontier and, and self-reliance and how mutual aid is people taking responsibility um, for their communities uh, rather than, you know, this idea I think a lot of conservatives have of like people um, just kind of lazily taking charity, how it's it's different from charity and that it's a community um, seeing its own needs and becoming independent as much as is possible on um, the the state from the state um, by trying to meet its own needs and how that um, is better for people than just sort of um, being like being uh, dependent upon government programs. I think that's kind of the way in which to reach out to those people with that idea. If they're coming at it from more of a liberal top-down approach, um, I think you can get more into the weeds and may argue about kind of inefficiencies within the system, problems within the system. I think one thing to really point out that will probably still be fresh to a lot of people of that persuasion is how frightening the first couple of weeks of, of quarantine were and all of the supply line issues and, and kind of the early breakdowns. Be like, look, um, that didn't go away, Like, right? You can see that, that we're still dealing with a lot of this and we're still having supply line disruptions and the state really has not kind of even under Biden sailed in to clear the gap. And so we need these community resiliency programs. Um, and you can, you know, depending on the kind of person they are, you can also sort of point out um, the degree to which there is our attempts at kind of sabotage of any sort of, 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 of top down government programs by the right and how, um, that's part of why you need community resiliency programs because you can't guarantee who's going to be in the White House. You can't guarantee what's going to continue to get funded um, and outside of kind of any of the the structural issues um, that make that stuff difficult. So I, I think um, that's kind of broadly speaking the two different ways you you can broach those conversations with people depending on the tendencies they're they're looking at it from. Uh, let's 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 get into an unpleasant one. Uh, what's the gang's outlook on this year's election and how do you think it might position us for 2024? Do we see more violence leading up to the next presidential election? Well, I know we'll be doing a predictions-ish episode later. Yeah. Um, but as for this election, I have I have not looked at anything about it. I think and the that's, Steelers that's are going to take it all. What, what, well, what sport are the Steelers? Um, yeah, one of them. That's great. Uh, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, I I feel like if Democrats want to keep the power that they currently have, they will probably need to do some type of symbolic action mm -hmm. that makes people think they actually do things. I mean, they've managed um, to have control of everything and done absolutely nothing that they've and done promised. nothing with it so yeah, so i'm guessing if they want to keep that they should probably do something really soon um e or else i don't see people being super eager to vote in 2022 for the democrats yeah yeah i mean one of the issues they've got is this this thing that you know kind of the technocrats always have where you know as, as we as Corey pointed out when we had him on there have been some really positive moves by the biden administration in terms of like appointments and how different kind of agencies are being handled. Um, but when it comes to the things that he actually campaigned on, like it just hasn't, it hasn't happened. Shit, shit ain't been done. Um, 
like the closest we've gotten recently is yet another kick the can down the street a little bit for student loan repayments. And I agree. I think they need to do there's like two big things they could do that might have a significant shifting effect. One of them would be student debt forgiveness, and one of them would be fucking deschedule marijuana, even without Congress. Biden could could oh, yeah, effectively absolutely. make marijuana not. And like that would be, number one, politically the easiest fucking win in the world because the vast majority of Republicans don't give a shit about that anymore. Um, it'll piss off cops, which is probably why you won't do it, but like – it, it, what about th- those two things could have an impact on midterms. That's certainly a thing that would like you can campaign on more. But I don't, I don't know that I think he'll do that. And obviously, I guess another big old payment to stay home. But I think that shipped unsailed. Like I, honestly, like I don't think they want to win in twenty twenty two. Like they want to get creamed like so they can sit there and then and go, oh yeah, uh, we can't do anything because Republicans control the house and you guys need to like. Uh, you guys need to like save us in 2024. This is the most important election of our lifetime. It's like, and they they will keep doing this over and over and over again until literally the seas boil and everyone, you know, everyone's being herded into concentration camps. Like they they will just keep doing this, and and like I think that's that's the thing that's actually important about the 2022 cycle is that like the Democrats have, you know, what, what, you know what what the rejection of Bernie Sanders sort of is is the Democrats essentially going we are not a popular party, right? Like we we are not a party that is going to like. Like, we will not even give the pretense of, like, having a base that we represent and we do things for. Like, we're just we're just in it for ourselves. We're in it to just, like, you know, give all of our weird, like, BlackRock friends positions in the government. And we don't, you know, it, it, and it's, you know, it's, it's we, we, we don't have a policy agenda and we don't care if we lose because if we lose, all you people just have to go put us back into office because the alternative is just more death camps. Yeah, I mean. I think that there's a broad belief like within kind of the Democratic Party that things are still business as usual and that the Republican Party is still a political party. And so kind of the handing off and switching of power is 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 fine. That's seen as business as usual rather than the Democrats or the Republicans are continually ratcheting away from there being any chance of a switch of power, um, at least through legal means. Like that's the whole thing they're doing. And the failures to pass any kind of voting rights and the failures to see like a, a voting right reform as a, a an existential issue for not just the party but like the concept of of uh democracy in this country is is i think evidence that however you kind of try to rationalize in your head why it's happening there's a real disconnect between the party leadership and uh, understandings of the new nature of reality yeah, well, this is the other thing. I mean, th- they'll be fine, right? Like, out outside of, like, another January 6th killing them all, like, they'll be fine. It doesn't, like, for them, it basically doesn't matter if the Republicans take power. Maybe maybe some of them will get impeached. There'll be, like, a show trial for, like, two people or something. But, like, they're going to be fine. And, you know, that's that's the thing that motivates all of their thinking is that they, they can survive another Republican administration. Like, we're, you know, we're dying under both of them. And, you know, like, I mean, this is this is partially, you know, if we want to talk about sort of the COVID response for a second and the relation that has to the election, it's like, yeah, the Democrats have just like completely given up even the pretense of doing literally anything about COVID. Literally, because, literally yeah, anything. Nothing. Just, yeah, just zero. Yeah, it's just go out I mean, and we die. Can, yeah, like, it's, we can talk about that. That's a separate. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That, that, it, that's a separate issue, I think, just in terms of like how how to interpret what they're doing with COVID and the degree to which I think they even have a chance of uh, whatever. Um, but yeah, it's like, like they, they, they don't care if we live or die. Like we care if we live or die and we're going to have to do stuff on our own outside yeah. of this because 
they're just going to kill us all. Yep. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's hard for me to tell where the elections are going to go precisely. Uh, Biden's polling certainly isn't great. It's also not like wildly out of step with how uh, where presidents often are kind of at this point um, in in their cycle. So it, and also it's pretty normal for uh, the party that just won the presidential election to lose at the midterms. That's more normal than not. Um, I think so. I think the big questions are number one, like the degree to which it's a wide sweep, which is going to depend on the actual impact. A lot of these um, efforts to kind of restrict uh, voting and, and gerrymander, like w- what the actual on the ground impact is um, and the degree to which we've seen an actual shift, because one of the things that the polls don't often tell us is like, yeah, uh, Democrats are not popular. Most people seem to be aware that a lot of promises have gone unfulfilled, but it doesn't also mean that. They like the Republicans um, who, as the party of Trump, are still kind of widely disliked by people. So it's kind of unclear to me what precisely is going to go down, by which I mean whether or not it's going to be a pretty normal midterm where the Republicans pick up some seats or like a nightmare blowout. Um, And I, I do think that has a lot to do with whether or not Biden and like does a couple of the things that a president can do unilaterally that would be really easy for other people to campaign on. Um, like he, they have to, like if they actually do want to win, they have to, they have to make a couple of big Hail Marys. They have to do, again, Biden has to do a couple of the big things that a president can do and then say, okay, see, I did a thing, put more Democrats in and uh, we can do this other big thing that a president can't do on his own or something like that. Like I, I just don't see, um, I mean, you know, anything could happen still. It's fucking January. Uh, I, I think there's a positive, if you want to, in terms of things that are make me kind of optimistic, um, and, and in terms of things that are better about when the Democrats are in power and then the Republicans, you can bully the Biden administration into taking broadly positive action, which is what happened with student loan repayments, yep. right? That's why that did get kicked down the can a couple of, uh, kicked down the road a couple of months. Um, and so... I do think there's potential in um, harassing the Biden administration to taking actions that can make Democrats more popular. Um, that would not be the reason to do it. The reason to do it is so that people don't starve trying to pay back student loans. Um, but it it does point to, I think, an, an avenue of hope um, if we're trying not to be complete doomers in January of 2022. Yeah. And uh, speaking of avenues of hope, it's time for an ad break. <laughs> Ah, the only thing that gives me hope is the products and services that support this podcast. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. 
Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table, because geek culture is pop culture, and we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back. We are back. We are, mm. are. Uh, Yodaing it. I, I, I've, I've, I have a question I, I would like us okay. to talk about. Um, okay. New Year book list. That's oh, nice yeah, and simple. Baby. So uh-huh. what's what's some? I think we could answer this like, and they they also someone else followed up with saying, uh, re- recommend some books that maybe not just left left this theory of climate change, also some like fiction stuff as well. And I'm I'm just gonna say the books that I'm reading or is on my reading list. Not I'm not gonna recommend books I've already read. I'm just gonna say the ones I'm currently reading. Um, I'm still making it through Hyper Objects for an upcoming episode. Um. Ugh. I picked up a really a book I've wanted to get for a long time called Islands of Abandonment, which is about um people well no, it's 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 about places that have kind of been forgotten and regrown or taken have been re- kind of reclaimed by the area that they were that they were built on. And then I also have a f- random few books on alchemy that I'm going through as well. That's most of my books. Horrible. Um, I read the last book I finished in 2021 was in the Garden of Beasts, which is by God, what is his name? I think it's Eric Larson. Um, he's a guy who's written. He wrote like Devil in the White City and a couple of other books that people have probably read. Yeah, Eric Larson. Um, and it's about the 
the first U.S. ambassador to Nazi Germany, or what becomes Nazi Germany. He gets sent there right before, like like months before Hitler takes power. And the the book largely traces he and his family's journey in Nazi Germany from like kind of didn't really care about German politics and were often broadly sympathetic towards the Nazis they met. Like his daughter kind of is is very much like on board with the Nazi revolution for like the first half year that she's there. She's also like simultaneously dating the head of the Gestapo and the Soviet um, like assistant ambassador, which is fascinating. Like it's a very interesting book. Um, and the story, like the journey, this kind of family goes on realizing like what the Nazis are and the perspective of that. It's it's very well written. Um, it's very detailed. Uh, I really enjoyed it. The thing that I liked the most was the detail it goes into about the kind of the fates of because it's it's a more I, you know obviously as much of a nerd on the history of fascism as I am. I've read a lot about the Night of Long Knives. This did the best job of kind of going into detail about the kind of dudes who, the dudes who were purged in the Night of Long Knives. So these guys who were Nazis in that they they wore swastikas and they were part of the party and whatnot, but also weren't Nazis enough to not get purged. And in a lot of cases were like starting to fall out of love with the party when the Night of Long Knives had. And so it's these, it's really interesting um, and I, I, I recommend it to people. And the last book I started in 2021 and the first book I finished in 2022 was called Ministry of the Future uh, by Kim Stanley mm. Robinson, who is um, an interesting science fiction author in part because Ministry of the Future is about climate change. Um, it is a, a science fiction look at uh, about like a thousand different potential solutions to climate change. And Kim Stanley Robinson is actually like an expert. Um, he works for the the Sierra Center, I think it's called. Um, he's won a bunch of awards for his work on like trying to like posit different solutions to climate change. He's he he understand. He's not like coming at this from the perspective of an even even a well researched author. He's he's writing from the perspective of someone who is an actual scientific expert in what happens and how the different solutions might work. And the thing that's really interesting about Ministry of the Future is it's this fascinating melange of um, like a, lo- a number of the character, the Ministry of the Future is this kind of hypothetical y- new UN agency that's put in place after a horrible wet bulb um, heat event kills 20 million people in India, um, and they're they're kind of trying to push for very technocratic solutions to climate change. So, like one of the big things the book focuses on a lot is this idea of a climate coin, which is a kind of um, international backed by banks cryptocurrency that that pays as a kind of long-term bond for sequestering carbon so that like countries like Saudi Arabia that have huge oil reserves actually make more money by refusing to pump out oil and thus get paid in these coins. So it's really technocratic solutions like that. And then also terrorist groups that may be funded by this UN agency building fleets of drones to murder people on commercial air flights. Um, in mass in order to cripple the entire air travel industry and stop carbon emission and carrying out mass assassinations on like CEOs of of oil uh, companies living in their private islands. So it's this really interesting mix of like kind of liberal politicians and like bankers like working out these very wonky solutions to things and like terrorists who have lost people in climate emergencies, mass murdering um, billionaires, uh, and and so it's it's a very it's the widest possible ranging look at kind of different solutions 
to climate change and how they might work. And it's a very optimistic book. Um, and there's there's elements of it that I kind of, of the optimism I kind of disagree with. I think oddly enough, Kim doesn't give enough weight to the dangers of authoritarian populism and and the threat I think they present to any of these kind of potential solutions. But it's still a very well thought out look at climate change and I think really worth reading um, if you want something that will both bring up different, because he also goes into a lot of like very scientific solutions like pumping up water from underneath glaciers in order to stop glaciers from sliding and like slow the rate of melt and all these these other kind of like very much like technical, here's a thing that we can do that will reduce the effect of this specific um, kind of climate change. It's really a, a very good book. Um, and it's apparently was Barack Obama's favorite book of the year, which considering the degree <laughs> to which it talks about murdering politicians and, and yeah. business leaders is interesting to me. I think he was maybe more paying attention to the carbon coin stuff than the shooting oil industry executives in their face while they're sleeping. <laughs> well, he was also a fan of Parasite, so womp de doo <laughs> He may just have been told this is a book you should say you like. But it is it is a very good book. It is really worth reading. Um and it's it's it is a work of science fiction, but honestly it's like it's also it's well, again, Kim really understands his stuff from a technical level. So I, I think it's pretty unimpeachable from that point of view. There are some kind of sociological areas where I don't think the book, I, I think there's some shit missing, <laughs> particularly as regards the problems authoritarianism is going to cause in, in reaching for these solutions. But I, I think it's still really, really valuable. And uh, Chris, we're, we're going to hear your responses, but first, uh, capitalism. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. 
Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chris, your turn. I've been reading things um I'm reading Wu Chuang which is a, a theoretical journal about China that writes a lot of very very good stuff they have probably the best account I've ever seen of just what was going on during the socialist period and then also the sort of transition to capitalism That's, those are those are those are issues one and two and they, they just published an issue about it, basically how, how the pandemic response happens in China it's, it's absolutely fascinating um it's also about sort of, this is something I've, yeah, I've, I've, I've talked about a lot of their stuff on the show sort of either obliquely or directly, but like, you know, one, one of their big things is about how in a lot of ways the pandemic reveals the sort of weakness of the Chinese state in, in, in a way that, you know, is, you don't see really from, because both, both, you know, both the Chinese state and the sort of like American media have this vested interest in showing like China as this sort of like all powerful authoritarian police state or whatever, like the, the mirror image of it is like, this isn't, but you know what? What you really see is that like this: the state has a very strong ability to intervene in like one province at a time, and they can you know when 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 they focus when they focus all of the sort of administrative power on like one area, right? They're extremely effective. They can't really do it in you know multiple layers at the same time, and this means that you're dealing with all these sort of regional government stuff, and it's it's very interesting. the The other thing that I have, well, okay, so do do we want to talk? About, a little bit about the dawn of everything or do you want to save that for just like yeah i, I i'm down to talk about that at any point yeah okay yeah that's definitely talk... on my list 
That yeah, is a I, long one. That's less of a read. I think most yeah. people are going to be less of a read in one sweep than like maybe for, for over the course of the year, like gradually. Yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's very, very dense and very long, but very readable. Like not to say yeah. that it's like dense in the, oh, I got to like slog through this textbook. It's extremely readable. It's just like there's a lot in there and you're going to want to pause and think about shit. Yeah, so so the Not of Everything is – this is the last book David Graeber ever wrote, and it's uh, – David Wengrow also uh, – they they wrote it together. And it's it's this – basically an attempt to reassemble, I guess, early human history. And – but the, 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 the thing that they're doing that, that's, that's really unique is that so they they're uh, David Wengrow is an uh, uh, archaeologist, David Graeber is an anthropologist, and they're they're going th- you know so they spend a whole bunch of time going through the sort of early archaeological records, and what they find basically is that none of the things that you see make any sense at all unless you're willing to unless you're willing to accept that people you know. 20, 30, 50,000 years ago, and then even, you know, people like four or 5,000 years ago were as smart as we are and have the, have the capacity to recreate and redesign their own political arrangements self-consciously, which is something that doesn't sound that weird, except everyone assumes that they can't and that, you know, everyone, the, the, you know, one of the other things they're, they're, they're really sort of heavily doing here is trying to break this idea that you know, a, a human society sort of evolves in these, this linear progression. You know, you start out with, like, these small hunter-gatherer bands, and they get more complex, quote-unquote. And eventually they develop farming, and farming develop the state. And the answer is just, you know, when you look through the actual archaeological record, none of this is true. You have, you know, they, they, they have a lot of very interesting sort of historical examples of this looking at, like, in, what look like incredibly democratic and egalitarian cities. And then, you know, on the outskirts of those cities, you have the emergence of the states among... of things that look like states among barbarian groups. And they have, and what, what I think is maybe the most interesting part of it is that they're, they're very concerned with the question of human freedom, but freedom mm-hmm. in a way that like, we don't like fr- freedom on a level fundamental enough that like we can barely imagine it. So they, they have these things called the three freedoms, which is one of them is, so the first one is the freedom to just move, to leave and to, 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 to it's, it's a freedom to, to, you know, be in a place and then leave and know that you will be cared for when you get to wherever you're going. Yeah, and, the, these kind of networks that were set up so that people could travel that have the, like the descendant of those ideas is sort of the way if you've ever if you've ever spent time in the Middle East, not in like hotels and shit, like it's that same idea, that kind of deeper than religious belief about the importance of that has gotten added to like Islam and, and, and to a number of other faiths in the area. Like, uh, but this idea that like, it, there's nothing more sacred than taking care of a uh, of a guest, um, like and and how that that it, that existed to enable kind of a sort of cross cultural contract and uh, contact and like recreational travel in a way that I think is would be deeply surprising to people who just sort of assumed everyone before a certain age died within five miles of their house or was yeah. you know yeah part of a band of wandering hunters yeah and it's, um, it's interesting in that like like yeah like we we in a lot of ways, travel less than early people did because, you know, mm-hmm. they, people would just leave and people, you know, people just didn't like their families and so they'd walk like 500 miles and they, they'd come mm-hmm. to a place and they'd be accepted. And Yeah. Yeah, and so, you know, like the, the second one that I think the one that I, is the, the one we have the least capacity, I think, to understand, which is just 
the ability to disobey orders. To just like anyone tells you to do something, you could just tell them no at any time. And it's not only can you just tell them no, like the social expectation is that you is that you don't act is that it's 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 it's, it's not just that you have the ability to do it, it's that someone giving you an order is treated as weird. And this is a thing that, you know, it, like, like this this is the thing, this is a freedom that used to exist and no longer does. And was sort of destroyed in various ways along with sort of the, the third freedom they talk about, which is about how people have the right to sort of just shift and recreate their, their social and political arrangements. And, yeah. you know, and, and people used to do this sort of, I mean, people, you know, a lot of the, what, what their early part of the book is about is about how societies used, there, there's a lot of societies that would, you know, flip seasonally, right? So one, like one half yeah. of the year you have this just like absolute dictatorship. The other half of the year it's like, well, this looks like a hippie commune. And, you know, the fact that we do not, like, the fact that, like, we, we, we just don't, like, it cannot conceive of completely shifting our political arrangements like that is... It, it's also, there's this fascinating discussion of, like, the the fact that, and this is kind of counter to what I, I, I had always kind of thought that, like, once as a group, groups of people, when they, when they made the decision to, like, move to agriculture um, and, like, set founded cities... That it was kind of a one-way street, you know. You 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 just keep going along that road, and there's actually multiple examples of people's like this. Is what what happened to the British Isles, or at least in what is currently Great Britain, people's like developing agriculture, settling down, and then being like, oh, you know what, fuck this, and like going yeah. back, like that that shit shit happened all the time. And and one of the things that's really kind of optimistic about the vision of of the sweep of human history in the dawn of everything is the idea that like, no, we don't have to keep, like it's not inevitable that we just keep doing more of what we're doing now. All throughout history, large groups of people have been like, uh, it's time to, let's do something else. Let's make a radical change. Like it yeah. happens. Um, and it's probably more normal to do that than it is to do what we've been doing. And when you, I think one of the things that kind of, one of the things that leads to the sense of inevitability of development along the lines that we have is is the fact that we only really have about ten thousand years of even vaguely reliable like data um, or vaguely comprehensive data on human history. But people have been around for tens of thousands of years longer than that, and for most of it, we've been a lot more experimental than we are now. And it's it's always possible for people to try different things in a way that um, maybe seems impossible to us now but but necessarily won't for our kids oh yeah the last thing i would tell people to listen to if they're looking for a fictional optimistic thing is cory doctorow's walk away um yes give, give it a read and if Great you're book. and if you're looking for like a a, a, a like a, a beautiful like not to get your head out of the I, one of the things i'm really passionate about is plants and i have this beautiful book called the planopedia and it's really helpful for caring for your houseplants. And it's just like aesthetically, just so, the photographs are beautiful. And it's one of my favorite things to give friends and family. Check that one out as well. And, and another another plant book that I just got for somebody that I really like. I think it's called Wicked Plants. It's about uh, all the yes. poisonous plants that you can get. Um and the ones, all the like the poison plants that you can cultivate in, in your own garden. And that's been a lovely <laughs> read. Um, and I, I do hope to set up a decent poison garden here in the spring. I, so I would love very excited that for, for you. That. Yeah, me too. It's going to be great. Well, let's get to a, a, another question. Um, do you guys want like a, a a fluff question or like a real question? 
let's do a fluff one, and we can start the next episode with a real, yeah, I loved, real I love juicy. To get fluffed. Fluff me, daddy. All right. Okay. That's a little gift I to all of you at home. Fucking hated Jesus that. Christ! Um, oh my god. Uh, 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 on the topic of hobbies, so so I just Garrison likes poisonous plants. I like non-poisonous plants. Uh, what hobbies are you into that we may not know about? Um, I guess I can only say one thing here, really. Well, I guess I, I don't know. Yeah, you should be really careful about how you answer this one, Garrison. <laughs> I know what your hobbies are. <laughs> Let's have everyone else go first. Um, I just got into 3D printing. I'm currently trying to figure out how to get ABS to act adhere properly to. The, yeah, that the, was the, the problem I had table. with my printer. Is that it would I would get like a decent way through the first part of the print yep. and then part of it, it would like curl, come, come, curl yep. off so then it wouldn't print the next layer on correctly and then it messes up the print. And yeah. I was between mental health stuff and that at the time I was, I was setting up my printer. This is when I just gave up because it was too much. Mm-hmm. So I'll be excited to see how you get past this hurdle. <laughs> well, I've, I, I've got a glass bed coming in so I'm going to I have, I've, I have one too. Yeah, and I've I've got the enclosure. One of the issues I'm having is just that I'm I'm having a heating issue with the bed. It won't heat up. It it stops before it gets to one ten, which is what it should be able to go up that high. But it's just yeah. Not. Um, can you manually heat it up? Uh, hotter. Um, it doesn't seem to matter. It it doesn't okay. seem to matter if I if I set it like I can't obviously like you can you can set it up to heat, but it it just keeps. Yeah. I keep getting that like loud error beep. So there's like there's okay. this is going to be it's going to be a process of of jiggering to 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 figure it out. Um, but you, you it's, come it's over, pretty yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I have I have I've I have a similar problem with my setup right now that I've been trying to troubleshoot for like half a year. Um, I can manually control the heat bed and it does get that hot, but still, I think it may just be a leveling issue. I may need to like clean the bed. I should also should just talk to someone who has done more 3D printing than me. Um, but yeah. Yeah, but it's 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 fun. I I enjoy it. It's very it's radically different from the stuff that I nor like do for a living. Um, which is always my favorite thing for like a a task to engage in, in order to be relaxing because it's it's not at all like reading and writing. Um, no, it's very different. <laughs> it's very different. So so far, I'm enjoying it, and I already I printed the thing I need to do to make the um the bio um the bio lab. Uh, for like the Four Thieves stuff, if you want to check out our episode with um, Michael from the Four Thieves Vinegar Collective, uh, I've three D printed that part, so I'm ready to get the other parts and put that thing together. Um, I'm just trying to figure out how to print other stuff with better plastics and and whatnot. But yeah, it's it's fun so far. I'm I'm enjoying it a lot. Um, maybe I'll get bored. Maybe I'll wind up spending way too much money on different 3D printers like the ones that lift the goo out of the the resin printers are, are so, so cool they're so they're cool. so they're much like this is what um uh this is what Cory Doctor was talking about like like they are much better at the filament printers in a lot of ways mm-hmm. but a lot of like a lot of the stuff a lot of the really useful machines mm-hmm. that you can make with 3D printers require you to use filament right now yeah. Um, but the, the resin ones are like so much more elegant. They're beautiful. Um, I also am really interested in the idea of printing wood, which I did not realize until recently you could do, but is absolutely possible with certain kinds of printers. Nice. Um, and that seems pretty dope. So I don't know. We'll see how maybe I'll be uh, tired of it in a month, um, because my mental health will take a dive, but so far I'm pretty excited. Cool. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Chris. What do I do? Uh, well, okay. So before the pandemic, I was getting into rock climbing, but unfortunately, like I, I, I like I like rock climbing. I'm not like oh, it's like the best it, thing you can do for your it's, body. It's a lot of fun, but unfortunately, I mean, it's not like the worst pandemic thing you could possibly do but like i it's no yeah yeah so if you get up high enough on the rocks covid can't get up there (laughs) (laughs) it's like the opposite of a bear it's really bad at climbing yeah so i guess the other what what do i even do is okay so my other thing okay so so deep like deep twitter lore people will probably know this about me but i am i have been for a very very long time like an inveterate fan of competitive starcraft 2 okay i am awful at it like i i am terrible at that game but i i have watched so much like starcraft 2 like i i I, starcraft 2 has become enough of my life that like like the game was part of my radicalization process like it was Okay. So yeah, right. I wake up extremely early or stay up extremely late and watch Korean StarCraft two and non Korean StarCraft two and yeah, it's it's a good time. It's yeah. I my favorite thing about StarCraft in general is thinking about the fact that Blizzard was initially trying to make a Warhammer forty thousand video game. Yeah. And Games Workshop <laughs> was as always too paranoid of their IP to let it happen and thus lost how many god knows how many they would be worth more Infinite money than money. most countries like they, yeah, like, they would have <laughs> been printing an impossible amount of money like, they, like I... oh, andy chambers would have been able to buy a, a, a mountain of cocaine to live inside but but no <laughs> instead we got all of the infrastructure of modern esports mm-hmm. which Seems fine. Like, it's whatever. Yeah. I don't care. But it, it is very funny to me that they were like, nah, this doesn't seem like a good financial decision for Games Workshop. This StarCraft thing. You know, like, I wonder, like, that that's the kind of thing where it's like, if they made that much money, would they all just retire? Like, would they just Well, quit? I mean, it's a publicly no. traded company. Like, the, the stock, the shareholders would have made it a, a, a fortune. And the, the but yeah, I, I don't know. It's very, it's very funny that they didn't think that was going yeah. to be worth it. Let's see. In terms of hobbies, people may not know. I do really like cooking. I taught cooking classes uh, mm. for a long time. Um, but it's been the main cook in my family since I was a very little kid. So I definitely, definitely enjoy that. Um, I did go to film school for a few years. I want to get back into making short video projects. I've been writing some random kind of new weird genre esque stuff that I would love to like rent a studio space and actually shoot some silly things in the next year and put throw them up online just for kind of my own fun. Um and then I also been still doing random occultism stuff. Um that's kind of how I fill my time. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's fun. Yeah, I think that's an answer. That is totally. an answer. We did it. That's an we answer and it. more importantly, mm-hmm. that's an episode. That is an episode. We'll that is an answer. Tomorrow. That is a single content. You all got a content out of us. And so enjoy will, that. Be proud we of will yourselves. Replicate and reproduce another content tomorrow that's mm-hmm. more uh, A's to your Q's. So a content every day, except for the weekends, because thank, fuck you. That's the promise that we make. <laughs> and some holidays. <laughs> and some holidays. <laughs> 
Could Happen Here is a production of Cool Zone Media. For more podcasts from Cool Zone Media, visit our website, coolzonemedia.com, or check us out on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find sources for It Could Happen Here updated monthly at coolzonemedia.com sources. Thanks for listening. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.